Well, today I'm reminded of a line from Avengers Age of Ultron in this news-filled Monday. Quicksilver often says, you didn't see that coming? No, I didn't. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time. Once again, for Locked On Ducks, I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for liking, commenting, subscribing wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Wow. The transfer portal window is open and three players went in over the weekend. There was Trevin Maai. There was Jalil Tucker. And then, yes, there was Keith Brown going to talk about all three. But I want to start with Brown, who, for those of you who don't know, was a four-star linebacker in the 2021 recruiting class, that historic class for the Ducks. It was the highest rated in program history, I believe still is. He came out of Lebanon High School, in-state kid. In the last two seasons, he played consistently in each of those two years. Two seasons, he made three starts, 36 total tackles. He had five in the Holiday Bowl. He was a guy who a lot of people were excited about. And it's even more surprising that that there, there's there's two reasons, really, that this is something that caught me completely off, off, off guard. I was actually on the golf course. I got a text from a friend, Keith Brown in the portal. My reaction was, what? You've got to be kidding me. Because this year, he was looking like a guy who, who would, at the very least, see an increased role in playing time, but on, on the maximum upside, his ceiling was a starting linebacker, right? If you assume, and, you know, based on what we've seen in spring football so far, Justin Jacobs is still working his way back from an injury. You never know how long that could linger. What, at least one, if not two, of those starting linebacker spots is open. Keith Brown could have been a guy to fill that role. And here's the other thing. Two days prior to his announcement, which was on Sunday, that he entered the portal, and I would not be surprised, by the way, just so we're aware, if he goes to Oregon State, I could totally see it. He said this, quote, I could have easily been like a portal guy, stuff like that, but I'm a dog, you know? I've been here for three years now. I'm from Oregon, so it kind of means more to me. You know, I want to play for this team. I want to be a duck, stuff like that. So I wasn't worried about how long it was going to take. I just knew at some point, I would earn my spot. And that was reflective of how a lot of fans were feeling about him. It's how I was feeling about him. I was really optimistic about what he could do, not just this year, but next year as well as one of Oregon's primary linebackers. He's already done some pretty good things, but I think there was still a lot left in the tank. And, you know, whoever picks him up, he'll have two years of eligibility left and, and he could be a really productive player. I, I, I do truly think if he hits his ceiling, if he's a starting linebacker somewhere, I could see him at the very least being, you know, all Pac-12 honorable mention, maybe even second team. I don't think a first team, but I, I think he could be an all Pac-12 honorable mention uh, sort of player. So a, a few takeaways on this. Number one, as I said, this was not expected. I, I mean, he could have been a starter. It looked like, you know, kind of that traditional recruitment for college football players. You come in from the high school ranks, you got some hope, you're an in-state kid, you play a little your freshman year, you play a little more your sophomore year, you show a glimmer or a glimpse rather of what you could be in the bowl game, 
getting that opportunity when one player in front of you, Noah Sewell, opted out because of the NFL draft. And, and then in year three, you'd really pop. That's what it looked like. Everything was tracking to be that. And now all of a sudden he's in the transfer portal. And, you know, my that, that's, that's why I was so surprised, number one. And then the second takeaway I have here is I think there are going to be a number of fans who are frustrated with this. You know, mostly what I've seen, thankfully, is, you know, positives toward, towards Keith saying, hey, wish you well. Sorry, it couldn't work out. We we're really excited about you, which is how I feel about him. But I think there are going to be some fans, understandably so, who get frustrated with the transfer portal. And, and this is kind of the epitome of why, because college sports have always had a unique element to them. Rooting for your team in college doesn't feel like it does in the pros. It's different. It's more personal. You, you know, have some sort of attachment to these kids from the time they're in high school, especially if he's from, you know, a, a remote area. I can't imagine there have been a lot of high, you know, blue chip caliber players to come out of Lebanon high school. Like th this is the sort of guy who you love to have. If you're more of a traditionalist, if you're an older generation, old school sort of mindset as a football fan, you are going to look at this guy and say, this is why the transfer portal stinks. And I can't push back on that at all. There, there's another element to the portal, but this stuff is increasingly common. You, you start to grow an attachment to a player, get really optimistic about him in the off season, and then he hits the portal. And that stuff stinks. I'm not going to try and argue there. But I think there's a silver lining here too. The, the silver lining from a playing standpoint for Oregon's defense is – my next thought was, okay, why would he transfer? He he said he wanted to be here. He's from the state. Everything was lining up to see him play more and maximize his potential. Why would he leave? Well, for those of you who didn't know, Oregon had its first 11-on-11 scrimmage over the weekend. And the coaches, you know, don't say first team, second team, third team. But they say green, yellow, and white is uh, how I believe they're they are described. My next thought was, okay, so that scrimmage probably took place. The players had an idea of who the first team was, who the second team was, who the third team was, and that sort of stuff. And he might have just seen the writing on the wall. He he may have believed what he said forty eight hours prior to this announcement, in which. He wanted to be a duck. I could have been a portal guy, but I'm not going to do that. And then push came to shove. You know, something could have changed with, you know, a relationship with someone on the team. I, I, don't, I don't I don't, know, right? It could be something that we'll never find out about, that coaches will never talk about. My best guess is that he looked around at the depth chart and saw, yeah, I might not actually get that chance that I was looking for here, which is, again, because of the portal. Because if you weren't in the portal era, Justin Jacobs is probably not here right now. And that's a guy who might look to be ahead of him on, on the depth chart, or at least in, in theory, that's someone who could be ahead of him on, on the depth chart. But so you, you've had some spring practices, you have your first scrimmage, and now Keith Brown decides to leave. I think he's looking around and, you know, we won't know until spring practice develops till we see the spring game, maybe, or a depth chart comes out, something like that. But it, it did kind of give me a silver lining thought, which was, does that mean that somebody else is performing at a really, really high level to the point where a guy of Keith Brown's talent, who we've seen, right? We've seen the talent. We've seen the potential. A guy of that caliber thinking he's not going to be able to play leads me to think someone else is shining right now. Don't know who that is at this point in time, 
But I won't be surprised at all if we get some news down the line that, oh, yeah, this guy's doing really well, or that guy is doing really well. It could be any number of guys, which you can't bet on at FanDuel, but you can bet on just about everything else that you need over there. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You can also bet the NBA playoffs, which are in full swing. How about, oh boy, anybody else watch that uh, Warriors-Kings game yesterday? Would have loved to have had money in that game because it was spicy. Three-point game line closed at one and a half. That's the sort of action you can get at FanDuel. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So in, in thinking about who Keith Brown could have looked around and said, mm, I might not be above him in the depth chart in the eyes of the coaches, or he might have done a Darren Thomas and said, yeah, I see that guy coming and I don't think I'm going to be able to, to beat him. That was, of course, uh, Mariota back in the day, but same sort of principle there. I think with Keith Brown, he could have looked around and said, Jeffrey Boss has taken a step forward. Boss is more experienced. I think Bossa has greater potential on the one hand because athletically he's got a few more traits. He's got a little bit better speed, a little bit better agility, but he's also a bit smaller. But I think bulking up is a lot easier than getting faster. So maybe he's looking around and saying Jeffrey Bossa is taking a step forward. Maybe Devin Jackson, who redshirted last year and was one of the highest 2022 recruits for the Ducks, maybe he's somebody that's starting to pop in spring football. Maybe Justin Jacobs is definitely a starter. Maybe Jamal Hill dropping down to the linebacker slot is looking really, really good. So that's kind of the upside potentially here. That's the only upside I can come away with, right? Because I'm, I'm bummed about this. I like this potential. But I, I really wonder if one of those guys aren't pushing him in spring practice to transfer because he's looking around going, boy, I feel good about where I'm at. But Jeff, Jeff Boss has taken a big step. Jamal Hill is making the adjustment coming down from safety or Devin Jackson's ready to start shining as a, a young player at the linebacker position. But creates an opportunity for all those guys because Keith Brown was definitely someone who, when I talked about linebackers, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks on the show was someone who I expected to be in the fold. And now he's not there creates a chance for someone like a Devin Jackson. So um, best wishes to Keith Brown. Would hate to see him land at Oregon State because I think he could be a good, impactful player over there. And they lost their middle linebacker, Omar Spates, to LSU. But, you know, this is the world that uh, we live in now. Curious as to your guys' thoughts, drop them in the comments below and on YouTube, or you can hit me up at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs mentions wide open. You can get in the mailbag there as well. Keith Brown was not the only player to leave the Ducks over the weekend. Jaleel Tucker, who was a four-star corner coming out of Lincoln High School in San Diego in the 2022 class. He redshirted last year. He only played against Eastern Washington. He has got very high end speed. He was a top 100 recruit. He's the number seven cornerback in the class. And the early indicators had been he was running with the third teamers here. And, you know, this one is uh, kind of disappointing. Like, I liked his upside a lot. I think in the immediate future, it's not as impactful potentially as a Keith Brown departure in the long term is when it gets a little bit more discouraging because he was a top 100 recruit, top 10 cornerback in the 2022 class guy who, you know, with that high end speed, you know, he was a track star at, at Lincoln high school, came in with Jalil Florence you kind of had this vision of, you know, are those two guys who were teammates then going to be teammates now and shine together. And 
you know, the, the good news on on this Jaleel Tucker putting his name into the portal is that it doesn't appear that they're a package deal in in any way. You know, they they committed not at the same time, but of course, going to the same place after coming from the same high school. But there, there's no indication right now that Jaleel Florence is you know going to follow him somewhere. And look, Florence was clearly more ready to make an impact at the Division One level. He was one of Oregon's top four corners in terms of snap count in 2022. And Jaleel Tucker only played against the uh, FCS opponent that Oregon played in week two. So, you know, not impacting the room now, but, you know, down the line, we'll see. I I think it does kind of open the door for more playing time. Uh, You know, whether that's, that's this year way down the depth chart or next year, I I think, you know, Cole Martin is a guy who could benefit. Dalen Austin is a guy who could benefit. Um, I, I don't know why I always blank on the guy that we flipped from, uh, uh, from or not flipped, but beat USC for Roderick Pleasant. I don't know why I always forget his name. I, I just, I always do. But I, I think those are guys now who kind of look like the next wave of corners after this year. But or, Oregon's got plenty of bodies in that room. I don't think, you know, Tucker was someone that I expected to play a lot, maybe as, as a special teams are. Um, but, you know, it's 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 a loss. It's not great. I would have rather kept him around, but not you know uh, shaking up the roster in in a big big way there. Uh, and then the other guy, Trevin Maai, who is a three star recruit in the 2019 class. You know, over three seasons, he redshirted his first year, so he's got two years of eligibility left. Uh, you know, 32 tackles, two and a half sacks, and a pass defended. Um, that that's that's not a big that that's not a big loss either. You know, he'd been playing a decent amount the last several years, but I never felt like he was much of an impact player. You know, he, he could go somewhere maybe to the G five level and certainly be a starter and be an impact player down there. Cause he's got that, that size, the makeup, but never felt like he had the, the explosiveness, the, the twitchiness, the playmaking ability. It, it never really showed through, you know, he was a solid player, but you know, when I saw he was in the portal, that made a lot more sense to me than Keith Brown. You know, that, that, that's that's how I reacted to to Trevin Ma'ai going in there. So now Oregon, who has to get down to 85 scholarship players, but that might be uh, a little bit tougher. We got a crystal ball for Gary Bryant Jr., wide receiver from USC. Eh, it's notable. Um, and there's definitely more depth on the defensive side than the offensive side, which which is something that Dan Lanning hinted at, by the way. Not really hinted at, really straight up said uh, in a post-practice press conference recently. And... I think when, when you look at these guys collectively, you know, Keith Brown, Trevor Mai, Jaleel Tucker, at some level they fall into the same category, which is Oregon's just got too much talent on the roster and too many bodies to keep everybody around. Like, like you, you, you just got too many mouths to feed in terms of, you know, playing time on, on the field. And Jaleel Tucker could go somewhere and play well. And Keith Brown could do the same. And, you know, Trevin Maai, I don't know if a Power 5 school would go after him, but a G5 school certainly could. They could go elsewhere and, and see playing time and be productive. And maybe they could have been that for Oregon. But they're transferring for a reason, right? All these guys are transferring because they're looking at the landscape of their position group battles that they were set to fight. And they deem themselves, you know, not at the top of the list. The coaching staff probably did the same. And this is just what's going to happen, right? In in the modern transfer portal era, this is something that you just got to expect to happen. Is guys who come in with talent and some expectations may one day leave, right? They won't all leave. I mean, if they were all leave, if every one of Oregon's, you know, four and five star recruits pretty much or 80% of them were, were leaving. Okay, yeah, th- then it would be a problem. But this is just... 
you know, working to get down to that scholarship number. This is why I, I didn't like that the NCAA moved the transfer portal window up to the middle of spring football. W- would have rather they kept it May 1st to the 15th because now you're going to have guys going in and out. But it's just just another thing for the NCAA to do to make life uh, tougher for college football head coaches, which, you know, you, you got to be all in. And Lanning clearly is. But, you know, I, I think these are just scholarship casualties at some level depth chart at, at another level and individual choices at another level. So kind of a, um, there's your multi-layered analysis that, that you come to me for, uh, if, if you're an everyday or out there, appreciate you all who listen to me almost every single day, especially Mr. Eddie, the dog. He is always, uh, the first comment on, on YouTube. He just says, go ducks exclamation point every day. That's like a part of my routine. I'm a big routine guy, like big, big routine guy across the board. And every time I go and, you know, start checking the YouTube comments, you know, for when I go to notifications, first thing I see is Lockdown Ducks is now premiering. And then the first comment, Mr. Eddie the Dog, go Ducks. He's an everydayer. Thank you all for being that uh, for those of you who out who are out there as well. Gosh, we got loads of news to get to. This, this is going to be this week. Is, I can already tell when a Monday show is going like this week is going to fly by. It's going to absolutely fly by with news. So here's a piece of news that I didn't love. Terrence Ferguson is going to be out for the rest of spring football. Now, this sounds worse than it is on the whole, because think about it. Terrence Ferguson is entering year three. He might have NFL prospects. I think he could. I think he could very easily be a fourth, fifth round pick. Maybe he comes back for fourth year. I don't know. But he's played since he was a true freshman. He was more productive last year than his first year. He's poised to take another step this year as the clear number one tight end in a less crowded room. If he's battling an injury of some sorts, I don't need him to play this spring. Now, would you prefer he be there fully healthy to fully incorporate himself with a new offensive coordinator and into the offense and all that sort? Yeah, yeah, sure. But Will Stein also talked about the other day that they're making a couple tweaks here and there. But he said, you know, his his direct quote was, I'd be foolish to change a lot of stuff. I'm paraphrasing there. But I'd be foolish to change a lot of stuff based on how the offense did last year, right? Like, I don't need to come in and completely revamp what the offense did. So he's going to have his own wrinkles. He's going to have his own tweaks. But T-Ferg's been around. He's a smart guy. He can pick that sort of stuff up. Tight ends typically don't have the most complicated assignments within the offense anyway. So I, I don't think that's going to be a major issue. Like, fall camp would be more than enough time he'll be you know at spring practice and he can learn the playbook like not not concerned about any any of that sort of stuff there would i prefer he be there to you know run with the ones and have all the chemistry and all the timing and all that sort of stuff yeah i would but is it a major concern no the bigger concern here is i don't want this to linger once the season starts like come september 2nd against portland state like th- this is what I'm following. I think this is the right call from Dan Lanning, Drew Maringer, the tight ends coach, and Will Stein, the OC, and everyone making that call, the medical team and whatnot. You don't need him for spring ball, but boy, you need him for September 2nd. And hopefully this is a precautionary measure because if this is something that's going to come up over the course of the season, we could have a problem, which is why, as I talked about on a past episode of the show, A guy like Malcolm Epps, a tight end from USC who's in the transfer portal, would be a sixth-year player. He'd be a perfect fit. He'd he'd be a perfect fit, and this is why. If T-Ferg battles an injury throughout 2023, 
You, you can't afford a massive drop-off there. Patrick Herbert is a good, solid tight end. He's not Tiford. And this is why you need depth. This is why, you know, we don't just talk about the headline starters. We talk about who's the number two, maybe even the number three, depending on the position group, right? I mean, when I talk about the cornerbacks here on the show, how many guys do we go through? Six? Because you play up to three corners at a time and you got to have a two deep and you don't want to have, have to have a big drop off. Like injuries are going to happen. You have to assume that at every position except quarterback, but even quarterback, you know, you'd like to have some semblance of a good backup plan. You have to have a good backup plan at every single position. And, and this is why. So hopefully this is nothing serious, you know, in the long run and they're holding him out of spring because then eh, we, we feel good about him when we, you know, it's a precautionary measure, but um, he, he won't, he won't be there in the spring game. And, you know, that'll, that'll give us a chance to, to look at Patrick Herbert, to, to look at Kenyon Sadiq as well, a true freshman and see if they had a transfer, probably not between now and April 29th, the spring game, but yeah, it could give us a big chance, you know, that again, as long as T Ferg's okay in the fall could be a silver lining here, which is, yeah, we get a great look at Kenyon Sadiq. He's going to get a lot of run. He's going to be running with the number twos and Herbert will run with the ones. And then they'll have walk-ons with, you know, the number, the number three unit there uh, offensively or as they rotate stuff in and out. But, you know, Will Stein also ran a lot of one tight end sets at, at UTSA. If you go watch, you know, what the Roadrunners offense was last year, it was mostly 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. So I, I, I think that he can be fine there. And I am intrigued by Sadiq. Pretty highly rated recruit, number one guy coming out of the state of Idaho, I believe. Got a lot of promise there. So we should get a, a look at him on the spring game, which is just 12 days away. Oh, man. 12 days away from spring football. Oh, boy, that's good. That's really, really good. All right. Last thing today. Mailback question. Once again, smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. Those are the Twitter handles, DMs, mentions. You go in there, submit a question. You can also drop a comment here on uh, YouTube if you're watching. James Hathaway says or asks, Hey, Spencer, greetings from north of the border here in British Columbia, Canada. How about that? We Locked on Ducks, international podcast, just like that. Okay, uh, a question for you. What are your thoughts on spring games potentially moving to a scrimmage against another team? The Portland State head coach has said he would be interested. As a long-distance season ticket holder, yes, I make a seven-hour drive each way. Dedication, my man, to catch home games. I, for one, think this would be a good thing for both the spectators and also the players. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I, I, I really like this idea for a couple of reasons. Number one, you reduce the risk of potential injury because you don't have as many players on the field at the time at, at a time of your own players. That is number two. You're not going up against the same guys who you go up against in practice every day. So I think, you know, what the spring game serves as for a coaching staff is, yes, an opportunity to engage with fans, an opportunity to, to showcase your, your program. You know, if you're a place that gets it on, on television, which everyone does at some level in the Pac-12. But I think you could make these games more watchable products to a national audience, right? Like, Colorado's spring game is going to be nationally televised. Imagine if Colorado brought in an FCS opponent, right? The way they do early in the season. I don't think you need to get rid of FCS games in the regular season, but I think you could absolutely justify going in here, treating it you know, with the same scrimmage format, but going up against players who are not 
on your own team, it, it's dramatically different. You don't know all the little intricacies of you know what a player does. You don't know every little move. You don't know every tendency, right? Like getting reps against new people, it, it excites the players, number one. I think you give the coaches better information to go off, number two. You reduce the risk of injury. I think it's more interesting to fans. And heck, you, you could even. I, I could see you doing it with maybe not even an FCS school. I could see you doing it with a G5, maybe a, a Power 5 school. Like, if you had a spring scrimmage between Oregon and, I don't know, USC, well, that's going to get more attention than, you know, Oregon and Oregon, right? I mean, I, I think you can you can have a situation there where everybody could benefit. And this is starting to get discussed more in the college football landscape. I, I'd be on board with it, right? And, and whether it was in a, another Power 5 school, a G5, or an FCS, I wouldn't really care personally. You know, I, I'd be fine with having Portland State come down and let that be an opportunity for Portland State to go up against a higher level of competition to try to get themselves better, for Oregon to go up against players that are just not the guys they see in practice every day. Yeah, it's a lower level of competition, but that's what you get in, you know, one one game a year, or if you're Michigan, three games a year, uh, you know, during the regular season. So I, I think that's, I think it's a great idea. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And by the way, can we just shout out James again? The seven hour drive each way to catch home games from British Columbia, Canada. Mom, that is, that is lovely dedication. Absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I, I think it could be a really, really good idea. And, and you would still, you know, one part about the spring game that's great is you get a lot of different guys' reps, right? Live reps, game reps, fans get to see them. You could still do that, right? You you could still rotate. Like, how many drives would you get in the game? I don't, I don't know, 10, 12? You could have the first team go for three. You could have the second team go for three. And just, you know, keep going like that. I think you could rotate uh, a lot of players in. Uh, I'm, I'm still excited for the spring game regardless because, you know, we get to see, I mean, we learned a lot in, in last year's spring game as to what the offense would look like, right? First play, big shot to uh, Seven McGee. Was very telling about how the season went. Offense had plenty of big explosive plays. Defense struggled in pass coverage. Right on brand. <laughs> like it's, it's, it can be very indicative and, you know, getting to see the, these players in live reps and, uh, really interested to see Ty Thompson, see what he looks like compared to last year where, you know, he still looked a little robotic and not totally comfortable, not making great reads. Austin Novoset, what can he bring to the table? I'm, I'm excited about all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, great great question, James. Uh, and for all the reasons I listed, I think I was just rattling off four or five of them. I'm, I'm completely, completely on board. All right, there's your busy Monday show. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.